I love Brother Jeremy Wilbanks. I love Brother Jeremy Wilbanks. This, um, we are, we are connected through marriage, but uh, he is an incredible man of God, and he pastors in Coleman, Alabama. Is there anybody that knows where Coleman is? I'm in good company. The best I can do is I know where Alabama is. Alabama, hallelujah. Tremendous preacher of the gospel. We're delighted he's here. Would you put your hands together under the Lord as he comes to preach to us? Oh, let's keep that hand clap going for just a minute because God's worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's good to be here today, and thank you very much for the privilege and, uh, of standing in this pulpit and ministering the Word of God. And I would, uh, you know what, let me give you my text today, and then while you're turning, I'll say some things. First John chapter 2 and Acts chapter 15. Say, I know I've helped uh, run some conferences and camp meetings and other things, and I know the uh, extreme exhaustion that comes. It's a good feeling, but you need a nap nonetheless. And so, uh, my goal is well, we'll not put a time limit on it because I never, I never do that. I was going to say about 30 minutes, that won't happen, but. We'll preach as quick as we can and get out of the way and let the Holy Ghost do what it's going to do. But what an awesome conference summit was this last week. What a tremendous time. Um, absolutely received a word from the Lord on, on at least three different occasions. And I thank God for that. Thank you for that. Because summit doesn't happen without you. Uh, this church, this very church, Cornerstone. Uh, I do pastor in Coleman, Alabama, and uh, my church is Cornerstone. Uh, your pastor named your church after my church. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I've got a bunch of friends here from the Rock Church, uh, for, or, or historically from the Rock Church. We all went together, went to church together at the Rock Church. So I guess we're all just rockers and stoners together for Jesus today. So. And uh, brother and sister sergeant, and brother and sister sergeant, and brother and sister sergeant, and all of their children. Brother and sister sergeant, uh, in many ways, very literal ways, raised me for a few years, kept their hand on me, had a lot of fun pigs on porches and snakes and dorms and man what a blast and brother sergeant acted like I was in trouble but he secretly thought it was really funny all of those things and and uh, brother and sister Cassandi we love you thank you very much for being good friends for years I'm gonna miss somebody Chantilly saying this morning man can that girl sing or what and then what a, what a great time. Great hospitality. I am accustomed to southern hospitality, and you have absolutely met the measure. Thank you very much. Wonderful room, wonderful uh, accommodations, and gift basket. I never eat the healthy stuff in a gift basket, so I've still got some apples and things left if anybody wants those. All the candy's gone. The candy's gone. My wife wasn't here to tell me to stop it. So. And then finally, what a great man of God and lady of God you have here, Brother and Sister Mayo. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And uh, honored to be here. Thank you very much for this privilege. It is a privilege to stand in this pulpit. If you have your Bibles open to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, we're going to go backwards today. We'll read 1 John, then we'll read out of Acts. 1 John chapter 2. And verse 15, love not the world, 
neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, this is where we're going to focus a little bit. Little children, it is the last time. Everybody say the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby or because of this, we know that it is the last time. We know that it is the last time. Acts chapter 15 verse 12 Acts chapter 15, verse 12. I still hear some pages turning. Acts chapter 15 and verse 12 says, Then all the multitude kept silence. This is after, this is the first general conference of the church that's going on. There's a revival that's going on in what is modern Turkey. Then was Asia Minor, Galatian church, churches to be specific. And Paul and Barnabas are having Gentile revival. Praise God, that's us. And so they call them to Jerusalem because this revival they thought was for Israel, for Jews. And so they are testifying about what God is doing. Then after their testimony, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered saying, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this, everybody say, after this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up, that the residue of, might, of men might seek after the Lord, and all the Gentiles upon my, whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like to preach for just a little while today, as long as the Holy Ghost will let us, and until we fall asleep. Uh, I'd like to preach uh, not really a title as much as just a subject. And I'd like to preach about the work of the last day's church. The work of the last day's church and why don't you just lift your hands and lift your voice and let's love God one more time before we're seated I love you Jesus I worship you Jesus God you're good God you're worthy God you're awesome we could never praise you enough Jesus we can never magnify you enough Lord you're so good you're so good you're so good hallelujah why don't you just tell him how good he is one more time we've done it all service long but we've got this moment Let's do it right now. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus, Lord bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. The work of the last day's church. I'd like to start off very simply today. In fact, I'm probably going to stay simple all day if that's okay. Uh, but I'd like to start off by saying that Jesus is coming soon and very soon. Hallelujah. Uh, we don't have long to wait. Jesus is coming soon and very soon. I did, a, I did a short study not too long ago, not in depth. It was just kind of a skim to see what the preaching of the early church was in the book of Acts and other places. What did they talk about? And uh, almost without exception... When you hear sermons or you hear exhortations or you hear evangelistic efforts on the part of the book of Acts church and beyond, you can read this in the epistles, 
They preached on a regular basis. This was their subject uh, in their sermons. The Lord is coming and you need to be ready. So I'm doing my best to echo. I'm doing my best to echo the voice of the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 2. I'm doing my best to, uh, voice, uh, to echo the voice of the Apostle Paul and tell you, you need to be ready. Jesus is coming soon. Hallelujah. It seems like when I grew up, I was scared to death. Half the time I went to church that the preacher was going to read out of the book of Revelation, or Revelations as it was back then for me. Uh, I was scared to death, but it seemed like uh, a lot more frequently than it is today. They preached about the fact, the belief, the scriptural understanding that Jesus was coming. You get ready. In fact, they would preach repentance uh, from the platform of Jesus is coming. You better repent. They would preach miracles from the platform of Jesus is coming. You better get ready. They would preach salvation from the platform of Jesus is coming. Oh, church, cornerstone, Jesus is coming. We don't have long to wait. You don't have long to wait. There's going to be a day when a trumpet's going to sound and the eastern sky is going to split and you and I that have been called, that have been blood-bought, that have been filled with his spirit, we're going to go to the one that's calling to us because he's the one that filled us up. Oh, are you glad you got the Holy Ghost today? Hallelujah. And it seems like there was a lot of, there was a lot of um, praying about the coming of the Lord years ago and there was a lot of singing about the coming of the Lord years ago. Uh, singing is a little different today, and I thank God for it. I, I have no problem with it, but uh, they had a group of songs that was based off of, it was ever present, it seems like, in the mind of children of God, that the Lord was coming, and their songs reflected it. Their worship reflected it. Um, I, I don't know if you guys sing old songs out here. I, I'm from Alabama, as the uh, pastor said, and we still sing some old ones. We sing some new ones too, but we still sing some old ones. And they reflect the, uh, the, the mindset, the heartbeat uh, on the inside of us that the Lord is coming and we're getting ready. In fact, there was a whole genre. My wife tells me about this. She's a music person. And she tells me there's a whole genre of songs called escape songs about one of these days we're going to get up out of this old world and this nasty flesh that we're living in and everything's going to change in the twinkling of an eye and we're going to get up and we're going to be out of here. Hallelujah. Yeah, there'll be songs like um, Some glad morning when this life is o'er I'll fly away to our home on God's celestial shore I'll fly away. Y'all know that one? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away when I die. Hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. Yeah, that reflects there's going to be a day when we're not going to be down here anymore. It, it's not going to take wings and it's not going to take a jetliner, but we're going to leave where we're standing. We're going to leave where we're sitting and we're going up. Yeah. They'd sing songs like, won't we have a time when we get over yonder? I promise I didn't come to sing to you today. This is part of my sermon. This is the singing section of the sermon here. Won't we have a time when we get over yonder? Oh, won't we have a time? We'll see Jesus there. When we get over yonder, we'll see Jesus there. When we get over yonder, we'll see Jesus there. When we get over yonder, oh, won't we have a time? Yeah, yeah, it was in us. It's still in us. We're not from down here anymore. We're bought with a price. And we've got a home that we're going to on the other side. Yeah. They'd sing, they'd sing soon and very soon. We are going to see the king. You know what? Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. With a loud voice. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, we're going to see the... Oh, let's love him all over the house. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All of this, all of this that we just did, 
is a reflection of something that has been embedded so deeply. I believe, uh, first of all, by the word of God, but I also believe that something is injected into us genetically when we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, that we become an anticipatory body. We're not just here. Everything that we, let me just say it this way. We have faith in here for miracles, signs and wonders. Let me just ask you, if you've ever been healed in your body, could you just raise your hand? Look at all of this. There's miracles sitting in this room today. If you've ever been delivered, I'm not asking you to stand up and tell us what it was. If you've ever been delivered, could you just raise your hand? Hallelujah. If God's ever changed your mind, and that can be a big deal. That's going to happen in this house today. If God's ever changed your heart. And then if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Look at the miracles that are in this house on Sunday morning. Look at the miracles that are in this house. Hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you, that faith that you and I exercise for the working of miracles, that faith that you and I exercise for the speaking of the word of prophecy, that faith that we exercise to have someone delivered here in the altar or out on the street, that faith that you had that got you filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues, that faith finds its seedbed in the knowledge that Jesus Christ is coming one day. And our healing of our body is a testimony that there's going to be a day when nobody's going to need to be healed in their body for this mortal shall put on immortality and this corruptible shall put on incorruption that Holy Ghost that you were filled with when you fell on your knees at the altar and those hot tears of repentance ran down your face and the Holy Ghost filled you from the bottom to the top and you spoke in other tongues, that was an anticipatory act that said we know that Jesus is coming because he just came inside me Hallelujah. Oh, church, are you ready for the return of the Lord? Cornerstone, are you ready for the return of the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, my dear friends, this is where we started. Jesus is coming soon. And everything in your life is a testimony to that fact. And uh, if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, or if you do have the Holy Ghost today, if you're half backslid or all the way backslid, if you're living for God with everything that you've got, or if you've grown a little cold, today, today is a day for choosing sides. Uh-huh. It's going to happen in this room today. You're going to choose sides today. Today's a day of choosing sides. I'm either going to choose to be on the Lord's side. Uh, or I, I'm not going to be on his. I know he's coming, and this preaching's going to draw a line, and I'm going to be on one side or the other. He's coming, and I'm either going to be one of those that's waiting on him, or I'm going to be one that's not looking for him at all, and it's going to take me by surprise. Ooh, a little heavy right here at the beginning, but that's okay. This is the way the Holy Ghost wants it today. Uh, I remember Brother O.C. Marler saying one time, he said, uh, you're either on Jesus' side when he comes. You're either going to be on Jesus' side, or he's going to count you on the side of the drug dealer. Uh, you're either going to be on Jesus' side or he's going to count you as being on the same side as the alcoholic. You're either going to be on his side or you're going to be counted as on the side of darkness. You're either going to be on the side of light. When he comes, one of the oh, I know this is simple preaching right here. I'm not sneaking up on you with anything. Well, when he comes, I don't want him to find me idle. I don't want him to find me distracted. I certainly don't want him to find me uh, uh, failing him. I want to be on his side 100%. I want him to know. Hallelujah. Oh, who's on the Lord's side? Let me speak to you like Joshua spoke to the children of Israel. Is anybody on the Lord's side today? Let him stand and be counted for. Hallelujah. We got to hurry. I'm not preaching long today. Y'all clap fast and say hallelujah fast. I believe that now. We've, we've established what we've done. We've just talked about a thing that's called ultimate concern. If, if this, is, this is ultimate concern. Where do I come from? We, we're not even preaching about that. God created this world, and you and I are a result of his creation. That's where we come from. And, and in the other end of ultimate concern, this is what we're concerned about ultimately. The only way to get away from thinking about these kind of things is you either turn to Jesus or you turn to Budweiser or cocaine, whatever. But one, you're going to do one of two things or any variation of that to deal with the fact that you're concerned about something ultimately. And where do I come from and where am I going? And here is the meat of what it means to be concerned ultimately. What should I be doing in between where I'm coming from and where I'm going? 
What should I do with my time? I realize that I only have a limited amount of time on this earth. I, I re- what time am I living in, first of all? And what should I be doing with my time? And so we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that concept, but it's important that you have it. Uh, Let's just talk about how we should be spending our time today. Let's talk about the work of the last day's church, because that's the day that we're in. And I believe that right now, more than ever, it is vital for us, the church, to be properly oriented, to have proper direction. Let me just say that we need to be alert people. Everybody say alert. We are people that should be alert to sin. We should be alert to perversion. I was so thankful for the preaching of Brother Poindexter. you got to be alert. You can't let that sneak into your life. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. How many are thankful for the preaching of your man of God that will get up without fear and without favor and alert, sound an alarm, blow a trumpet in Zion. We have to be properly oriented. We have to be alert to sin. Alert to perversion. Here's a big one for you and I. Alert to carnality. Why is that a big one? Because if the devil can't get us to sin in our flesh, he'll get us to pray in our flesh. And you'll feel pretty good about it because you checked it off your list and you never really got in touch with the God that created you and the God that filled you and the God that preserves you. When you and I get down on our knee, when we walk into the prayer room to pray, when you go into your prayer closet to pray, you've got to get a hold of him. You and I don't have time for cold and carnal praying. We should be aware of pitfalls, of dangers, of offenses. This is not where I'm staying. We're going somewhere. Just stay with me for just a second. We should be aware of pitfalls, of dangers, of offenses. Oh, child of God, don't let anybody offend you. Don't let anybody offend you. Don't give anybody permission. Why? Because we're living in the last days and we've got a job to do in the last days. Hallelujah. We need to be aware of the times that we're living in. My brother... My sister, again, we are living in the last days. This thing's wrapping up. Uh, It's coming to a close. It feels like there aren't many days left. It feels like all of the prophecies of this book are going to come to pass in a very short period of time. It seems like the headlines. We don't don't live for God according to the headlines. We live for God according to this. But if you do read headlines, if you do listen to the radio, it seems like things are closing in quick when you hear of of wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and and trouble in diverse places and this and that. It, It seems like things are wrapping up and it feels like there's not many days left. I want you to listen to a description of the last days. And this is how one of the ways that we can know that we're living in the last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 1. This know also that in the last days, everybody say the last days. In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. This is one of the, these are some of the signs that we're living in the last days. Unthankful unholy. I'm so glad for holiness preaching. I'm so glad for a church with a thankful spirit. I'm so glad for young people that are obedient to their man of God and obedient to their father and their mother. Without natural affection. That's a bad one. We're not going to take time to go into that. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce. Incontinent means they can't control themselves in certain areas. People without control, without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady. These are all descriptors of the last days. People that are heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And this is what the Apostle Paul told to Timothy. Timothy, you preach it and you tell them from those things, turn away. It's the last days. Turn away from those things. Thank you, Brother Mayo, for preaching to us. Turn away from those things. Turn away from those things. Hallelujah. When you read that list, that sounds like today. That sounds like Washington, D.C. You live on the West Coast. I live on the Gulf Coast. That sounds like the Gulf Coast. That sounds like the West Coast. That sounds like the East Coast. 
That sounds like Washington State maybe. I don't know. I don't live here. That sounds like, maybe that sounds like Spokane. Maybe that sounds like your neighbor. Getting closer. (laughs) Maybe that sounds like you. Maybe there's somebody in this building today that you could find yourself in that list. Hey, it's time to turn away from that. That's what repentance means, to turn away. This is the last days. You've got to turn away. You've got to turn away. That's got to be one of the messages of the last days. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. And all of those things indicate that we're in the last days. If you've noticed any of those things. Can you just wave at me? Yeah, I noticed. But I'm going to tell you, the most important sign that we're in the last days is none of those bad things. The most important sign that we're in the last days isn't any of those things. Not the most important sign. Well, preacher, what's the most important sign? What's the biggest indicator that we're in the last days? The biggest indicator that we're in the last days is that people are receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. You're one of the biggest indicators that we're in the last days. Brother, you're one of the biggest indicators that we're in the last days. Sister, if you've got the Holy Ghost, if you've repented of your sins, if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, you're one of the biggest indicators that we're in the last days. I want you to listen to this. This isn't something that's my opinion. It's not the opinion of preachers. God said this in his word. This is exactly what scripture tells us in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. You're going to read about it. We just read about, we just read out of the book of Acts. We're going to read, listen to this. God first said it through Joel, Joel chapter 2, verse 27. And ye shall know, this is God speaking to the prophet Joel, and ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. That's last days. It shall come to pass last day, in the last days, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and terrible day of the Lord come. The last days. Everybody say the last days. And in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And the Bible says there were devout men gathered from all different nations in the, in the world in Jerusalem. And they heard those people speaking with other tongues. Not in the language of Galileans, of northern uh, Israelis, Israelites. Those were the country people. And they didn't, those weren't educated people. But they heard them speak in languages from all over the world. And they said, how could it be that these people are speaking in a language that they weren't raised speaking? In a language that they were never learned in? And Peter stood up and he said, this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel in the last days saith God 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 I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy let me tell you every time you stand to your feet and you begin to speak in other tongues as the spirit gives the utterance you're prophesying to the kingdoms of this world your days are numbered you're coming down listen to me prophesy right now listen to me Spokane I'm letting the kingdom of God come in oh I wish somebody that believed it right there would just let the Holy Ghost manifest through you right now That's why I'm not afraid. It doesn't matter who's getting shaky on it. I am a tongue talker. I am a tongue talker. And I'm not just a tongue talker because it's fun. And I'm not just a tongue talker because I believe you got to do it to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm a tongue talker because I believe I've got something that's not from this day. But I've got something that's from another day which is to come.
Yeah, so when you hear me talking in tongues, don't think today, think tomorrow. When you hear me talking in tongues, don't think temporal, think eternal. When you're talking in tongues, don't think little, think great and greatly to be praised because it's that day which is to come, breaking forth into the last days. Trying to wrap up as quick as I can. I'm done with two pages. Six more to go. Here we go. No, two more. Okay. How many believe it's the last days? How many believe the Lord's about to come back? How many's living holy not just because you're obeying a bunch of rules, but because I'm a testimony of that day which is to come? Yeah, how many's cleaned your speech out? Not because, not because pastor said I have to speak nicer, but because my speech is a declaration of that day which is to come. Uh, when you see me dancing in the aisles, I understand. Uh, yeah, I'm dancing. I'm thankful for what he brought me out of. But it's not necessarily what he brought me out of. It's not my testimony to the back that is really making me dance. It's my testimony to the future that's really making me dance. Because there's going to be a day when this whole body's not going to break down. There's going to be a day when this mind's not going to be subject to things of this world. There's going to be a day when my attitude's always going to be right. There's going to be a day when I'm not going to have to worry. There's going to be no pain, no sorrow nothing and Jesus Christ will rule and reign forever in that city called New Jerusalem and that's where I'm going in fact that's where I'm from and I'm on my way back hallelujah 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 oh come on let's do it for just a moment let's worship him for just a moment Yeah, I'm not just dancing because I'm excited. My dance partner on Sunday morning is Revelation. I understand who I am. I understand that kingdom which is to come. All right. It's the last days. He's coming. He's coming. There's a city whose builder and maker is God. There's 12 gates to the city, fashioned out of one pearl. The streets are made with gold. That little deal that you're so worried about, giving up. That little bit of gold you're so worried about, giving up. That's going to be so worthless over there, it's what we're going to pave the streets with. Let me talk to you like we would in Alabama. Don't, get, don't you get all jacked up about that jewelry, brother. That's going to be so worthless when we get to that other side. We're going to pave the roads with it. Don't you wear my pavement around down here thinking you're something special. I'm going to walk on that one of these days. We're going to build walls out of that one of these days. Yeah. Hallelujah. Okay. So what should we? You are. The last days, church. You are. Everybody say, I am. Everybody say, we are. The last days, church. Yeah. What should we be doing? What are we supposed to be doing right now? We're waiting on him. That trumpet's going to sound. And we're going to get up. And those that have gone on before us, they're going to get up out of that grave. Yeah. I can't remember who to, I give credit to him, but I can't remember who this was. But there was one preacher that said, a man died. And they buried his body in the ground, and the worm ate the man. And then a bird flew along, and the bird ate the worm. And then, this is, this is southern philosophy part of the sermon here. And the cat came along and ate the bird. But when the trumpet sounds, the cat's got to give him up. When the trumpet sounds, the bird's got to give him up. When the trumpet sounds, the worm's got to give him up. And when the trumpet sounds, the grave's got to give him up. Because we're going to get out of that grave. We're going to go. Yay! Woo! Oh, I think we ought to just praise him one more time.
So what should we be doing? I'm trying to hurry. Y'all calm down. I'm trying to hurry. So what should we be doing? This is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said. And as they heard these things, he, that's Jesus, added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem. And because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. That's what they were anticipating. That the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, because they thought this. Anytime you see a wherefore or a therefore, you always look back and see what it's there for. That's Okay. And he said, because of their belief, he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself the kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds and said unto them, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Occupy till I come. Occupy until I come. What should we be doing? We should occupy. What does that mean, occupy? That doesn't mean just move in. That doesn't mean settle down. That doesn't mean get comfy. Occupy till I come means get busy. By occupy, Jesus is saying, make yourself busy. Make yourself useful. Let me talk to, I, I, I'm not your pastor, but just let me, let me help you, pastor, for just a second. If you're not involved in this church, lock, stock, and barrel, 110%, brother, sister, you need to change that starting right now. Because there's nothing, there's not a boat, there's not a vacation home, there's not a million dollar account, there's nothing that's worth it, there's nothing that's worth it. It's all going to burn in a fervent heat at the end of this day, these last days that we're living in. But everything that you and I do for the kingdom of God, that's going to last forever. That's going to be more important than gold. That's going to be more important than silver. That's going to be more important than anything you accomplish in this world. Why don't you sell out? Why don't you sell out? Why don't you sell out? When you wake up in the morning, let the first breath that you take be for the kingdom of God. When you wake up in the morning, why don't you feed your spirit before you feed your flesh? When you wake up in the morning, why don't you say, I'm putting my shoes on as an evangelist for the kingdom of heaven? Everybody say occupy. Yeah. At the end of the last days, I want Jesus to find me busy. I want him to find me occupying. I I want him to find me. I I hope he finds me teaching a home Bible study. I hope he finds me preaching to somebody. I hope he finds me on, on my knees praying that the kingdom of God, even so, come quickly, Lord. That's, part of, that's supposed to be part of your daily prayer. Our Father which art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. That's supposed to be part of your daily praying. Go ahead and come, God. Go ahead and come. That's part of your responsibility. That's part of your occupying. Your daily prayer is not just so that you can check it off the list. It's not just so that you can show that you're a good, disciplined Christian. It's supposed to be that declaration that you're anticipating that day which is to come even so Lord thy kingdom come thy kingdom come I want the Lord to find me busy I want him to find me working in the vineyard I want him to find me working in the field I was so glad I I thought that was the coolest thing that you got the Holy Ghost and somebody was that you that won her did you pray her through no yeah, oh, it's your sister. Okay, praise God. Yeah, okay. Uh, two and two. I got it. I got it. I, I think that's the coolest thing. I think that's the coolest thing. Oh, that means somebody was working. That means somebody was praying. That means somebody was getting ready. <laughs> I got a, Bishop, I got a phone call yesterday. Yesterday, I got a phone call, and it was a man in Birmingham. Birmingham is about 40 minutes, 45 minutes south of us on I-65. I got a phone call, and they said, Pastor Wilbanks, this is, I'm from Brother Sutton's church, Brother Barry Sutton's church, and he said, we have a lady that just moved to Coleman, and she needs a home Bible study, something to that effect, and wanting a home Bible study for sure. I said, oh, okay, good. I said, well, listen, I said, I feel like we need to move on this right away. If this is somebody that's hungry, and they're wanting contact, and they're wanting a home Bible study, I said, we need to get on that right away. I said, and I'm out of town. I said, so why don't you let me get in touch, let me get you in touch with Brother Robert Brantley, because Brother Brantley, I'm going to tell you, that's a go-getter in the kingdom, uh, whether he's preaching, uh, <laughs> I'm going to just tell you, I cry every time I think about the Brantleys. That boy was uh, a drug addict. That boy came from a broken home. And I'm giving, you, I'm giving you the lightweight version of his testimony. It was unbelievable what God saved him out of. His wife wanted him to God. She wasn't his wife then. She worked for him at a little sandwich shop. And she wanted him to God. And then, after he'd been in church for a little while, she dated him. But we waited. Anyway, that's not... Anyway. But he got the Holy Ghost today. 
probably today he had over 100 kids on his bus route that came to Sunday school. Today he had over 100 kids on his bus route. That's just what he does. He's occupying. I just went with him. We went on churchwide evangelism last Friday and Saturday. My wife and my family, we got to go on Saturday. And we went. And I went with him. I'm going to tell you, that man will die. He'll get in there, a little uh, southernism for you. He'll get in there amongst them. He'll be in there with them. And he'll, uh, we, we, uh, we, prayed. we prayed for uh, a cross-dresser standing right there in the door. We prayed for some other uh, similar situations. And we prayed we, I mean, we prayed for all kinds of people. There were people, and we had people that came to church and got the Holy Ghost the very next Sunday because of that. I, I, I want to be, I want to occupy. And so when I got that phone call, I said, okay, I, I got to put this lady in the hands of an occupier. I got to put this ha- lady in the hand. This is a home Bible study. This is a soul that's going to burn in hell forever, but it could go to heaven forever. I got to put this in the hands of an occupier. That's what God's looking for in the last day's church. He's looking for the hands of an occupier. He's looking for the hands of an occupier. And I'm telling you today, sitting under the sounds of my voice, there's men and women in this room right now. Mark it down. There's men and women in this room right now that you personally, by yourself, could win 100 people to God year by year. It's no big deal. There's men and women sitting under the sound of my voice. Boys, look at me. There's young men and young women sitting under the sound of my voice that if you just let the anointing of the Holy Ghost get a hold of you, you by yourself could win 50 to 100 people to God every single year. I was expecting you to believe that a little bit more than that right there. I'm telling you, there's people in this room that the Holy Ghost could get a hold of you and you do an occupying work until Jesus comes. You could start a revival under the authority of your pastor that would shake Spokane to its knees. Some of you don't believe me right there, and that's not because you're bad people. You're great people. You're incredible people. I can tell, I've been in church with you all day. I can tell. But some of you have such incredible things on the inside of you to occupy with until the Lord comes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen I just told you about one of them. I just told you about one of them. I'll never forget Brother Shane Golden got the Holy Ghost. Shane Golden was about the 10th person and his family would get the Holy Ghost. He got the Holy Ghost in the prayer room before service got started. He didn't know that guests weren't supposed to come to the prayer room. They're supposed to sit on the back row until we get church going. But he came in there and he prayed where I always prayed. Oh, bug me. That was my spot. I didn't care. I, I really, I didn't even think about it. But he got the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, standing in there. And I'm going to tell you, it was him, and then it was his uncle and his, un- and his aunt, and then it was their three children, and then it was his other uncle, and we baptized him in Jesus' name, and his wife, and then it was his grandfather and his grandmother, and then it was his stepdad and his stepmom, and then it was his, uh, his cousins, and then it was his other cousin, then it was his other uncle, and then it was his... And I'm just telling you, I don't believe that we have to knock on 100 doors to get 10 people to come to keep two of them. I believe we can knock on one door and 100 people come out of one door that we knock on. If somebody's occupying, if somebody's spirit-led, I believe there's revival sitting in your pew. I believe there's revival standing in your shoes on Sunday morning. It's time to occupy until Jesus comes. Oh, let's clap our hands. What are we supposed to be doing? Everybody say occupy. We need, we need to occupy. Yeah. We need to be more faithful now than we've ever been. Occupy. Everybody say be faithful. You need to be more faithful now than you've ever been in your life. Uh-huh. Even more as we go forward, you need to be faithful. I'm going to tell you, there's nothing down here that matters not one thing except for what we're doing today I got a text this morning that troubled me in fact I'm not even going to say it at the mic but somebody was so
I know that's a hard statement. I'm not trying to beat you over the head with something. You just need to be more faithful as the day approaches. In the last days, you've got to be incredibly faithful. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider one another. Listen to this. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. That's one of the things. That's one of the, you get provocation when you come to the house of God. Not just from the pastor, but from the body. Come on. Do good works. It's like a thumb in your ribcage. Come on. Do good works. Come on. Love somebody. Come on. Occupy. That's what's supposed to be happening on Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. We're just glad you're here. And we're trying to be marshmallowy soft and pillowy soft. But there's a point where the word of God says, pow, and it punches you right in the mouth. And the man that you're sitting next to sticks you in the ribs. Say, hey, you can't just sit there on Sunday morning. I know you may not feel good. I know you may be tired. But we're occupying. And you've got to be faithful in your worship. And you've got to be faithful in your giving. And you've got to be faithful to the house. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Yeah, we ought to be getting together every chance we've got. Because we're stronger together. The Holy Ghost does things in the midst of two or three that are gathered together in his name. He comes down where two or three are gathered together in his name. Uh, That means you and I, as the day gets closer, we've got to turn the faithfulness dial up. We've got to get it hot. Our faithfulness has got to be hot. Our prayer's got to be hot. This is the job of, this is the work of the last day's church. We need to be more sober. Everybody say sober. Everybody say prayerful. Everybody say merciful. I can't remember what man of God was that was preaching. That talked about us judging angels. Read the passage out of Hebrews where we're going to judge angels. Or Paul, or excuse me, Paul said it. And uh, we're going to judge angels. There's judgment that happens in this house. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that judgment has to offer. Mercy. Mercy is not you avoiding judgment. Mercy is a judgment. (laughs) I got pulled over one time in California in the carpool lane. Without a pool. (laughs) And without a seatbelt. And with tags that were expired. It was my father-in-law's car. And, uh, and with my license that were like two or three days out of date. On 99 between Fruit Ridge and Florin. And a motorcycle cop pulled me over. <laughs> and I was bigger than he was. But he had a badge that said he had the full backing of the state of California. And he had a gun that said, I can reach you from 50 yards away, sir. Don't move. How you doing today? Doing good. Why do they have to talk to you like that? You know you got me. Just ask for my license. License and registration. Did you know he let me off? My wife gets out of tickets all the time because she cries and they feel bad for her and let her go. I don't. I normally get them. And my policy is honesty. He might take me to jail, but I don't want to go to hell over it, you know. Just be honest. Miss Wilbanks, where are you from? us? That, that was the deal. I kept saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. He said, uh, you keep calling me sir. 
He said, you're not from California, are you? I said, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. Sir, sir. No, sir. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from Alabama, sir. <laughs> and he said, so, so you're not from here? I said, no, sir. I've been here for a little while. I didn't say that. He didn't ask me. He didn't ask me. I was only answering what he was asking. He said, listen. He said, this is the carpool lane. Yes, sir. He said, you're not allowed to be in that one. Just one person. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He let me go. That would have been $700 at least for all of those infractions. <laughs> he let me go. He passed judgment. You know you're wrong. Yes, sir. You know I could probably take you out of the car right now and take you to jail and have this car towed. Yes, sir. But I'm not going to. If you'll tell me that you'll repent, Mr. Carpool Lane Driver, if you'll tell me that you'll never do this again, if you'll tell me that you'll change, I'll let you go today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Judgment is passed in here because judgment begins at the house of God. But I'm going to tell you the greatest thing that judgment has to offer is mercy, mercy, mercy. Come in here with your life all torn to bits. Come in here tattered. Come in here shattered. Fall down at this altar. We're not going to judge you unworthy. We're going to judge you as repented. And we're going to get you filled with the Holy Ghost. And we're going to judge you part of the kingdom of God. Come on, let's clap our hands to him. This is part of the job of the last day church. We've got to be more sober. We've got to be more prayerful, more merciful, more full of love. As time goes forward, First Peter 4 and 7, this is where it says it. But the end, the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. That doesn't mean sour. That means you've got to be serious about this. That doesn't mean you don't have a sense of humor. That means you're serious about this. The end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Oh, the end of all things is at hand. Pray. My wife is the greatest Christian that I know. If she was here, I'd say that with her right here. I, I had the privilege in the last four years of baptizing all three of my wonderful children that God's given to us, Noah and John David and Grace Ann. I, I was there. I helped pray Noah through. I was gone when John David and Grace Ann got the Holy Ghost. They got the Holy Ghost. Noah got the Holy Ghost in the altar, kind of right over here. John David and Grace Ann got the Holy Ghost in Mama's prayer closet at home. I'm going to tell you, that's one of the greatest testimonies. My wife's children can take you to the spot where Mama prays. They know Daddy prays at the church. Mama prays right in there. She goes in the closet. I can't pray in the closet because if I walk in the closet, i got to back out to turn around. I can't turn around while I'm in there. So if I have going to kneel down in there, i got to crawl in. So I don't pray in the closet. I'll go somewhere where I can stand up. But the kids know right there. And, and, and John David and Grace Ann got the Holy Ghost in Mama's prayer closet. Uh, that's just what Mama does in our home. And she prayed those kids through. I got to baptize them, but Mama prayed them through to the Holy Ghost. That's part of the job of the last day's church. That's part of the work of the last day's church. Pray, saints. Pray, Mama. Pray, Daddy. That's what you're supposed to be doing in the last days. The end of all things is at hand, Cornerstone. Watch, be sober, pray, watch, be sober, pray, watch, be sober, pray. The end of all things is at hand. This is the job of the last day's church. And above all things, the end of all things is at hand. Above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. The word fervent, charity means love. Fervent means hot. It doesn't preach as well to say have hot love, but that's, that's just, it doesn't preach as well. Fervent charity is much better. Fervent charity is just much better. Have fervent charity for one another. Love one another. I'm so sorry. 
Love one another fervently. Above all things, love one another fervently. For charity, this goes back to my motorcycle cop. For charity, love among one another covers a multitude. This is what it says, First Peter 4 and 8. It covers a multitude of sins. In the last days, we need to be aware more than ever that we are not from here. Skipping. I know that sounded disjointed. <laughs> We're closing. In the last days, we need to be aware that you're not from here. I look like I'm from here. I speak the language. dressed like we were from here. We drove cars like everybody that's from here. But we're not from here. <laughs> to all of our guests, welcome to the inner sanctum. <laughs> we're not from here. We are from a world which is to come. In our text in 1 John 2, it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. There's two words in, in, in Greek. Can y'all handle a little bit? Just five minutes more? Okay. The word world, you see, there's two, in the New Testament, two words, world. One of them is aeon, which means, or eon, we get, means age, we get the word eon from it. The other one is cosmos, cosmos, it means cosmos, it's, it's the established physical order, in most cases it's the established physical order. That's what he's using here, cosmos, and other preachers have preached about that, it's where we get the word uh, cosmetic, cosmology. Uh, it means stars. It can mean the decorated. So that it's built in. It's translated correctly, world. But it's built into it. Love not the decorations. Don't get caught up in the spangle. Don't get caught up in the flash of this down here. Don't get caught up in the bling. Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. That's what he's saying. He's saying... For the world, verse 17, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yeah, he's letting us know we're not from this world, but we are from a world which is to come. Hebrews 6 talks about us having received the Holy Ghost and have tasted of that good world which is to come. That good world which is to come. We are, we are that world smugglers, smugglers into this world. We are God's way of breaking in uh, that day, breaking into this day. Yeah, if you want to know what heaven's going to be like, I'll tell you a little bit of what heaven's going to be like. When you come down here at this altar call today and the Holy Ghost touches you and you weep and cry and sob and wail or you dance, shout, clap your hands, run the aisles. It's a little bitty taste of what heaven's going to be like. When you feel the freedom of the weight of sin lifted up off of your shoulders and you feel the grip of transgression let go from around your throat and you feel that lightweight uh, Holy Ghost feeling that comes into your heart and in you all of a sudden you step out of this world and into an that's a little bitty taste of what heaven's going to be like don't you think this is all rules and regulations everything that we're preaching around here is the breaking of chains it's the liberating of people from the bondage of this world and setting them free into the liberty of that world hallelujah musicians would you come we're not from this world we're from that age world which is to come that's why we're not all excited about the music of this world it's the funeral dirge of a dying race because this world's passing away that's why we don't watch their movies don't go to their games 
we're not appealing to the senses of this world. We are here in stark contrast to this world. We're not from here. I'm going to a home that I haven't been to yet. But what I've got on the inside of me was delivered to me from my home on the other side. When that trumpet sounds and these last days are over, everything that I've got on the inside of me didn't come from this day. It came from that day. In that day, we're a part of that day already. The Holy Ghost is a part of that day. You know, that's enough. enough for this day the Holy Ghost has already spoken to you from that day in this day the Holy Ghost has already spoken to you if you don't have the Holy Ghost let me introduce to you something that's not just going to be the latest and greatest model for the next four or five years I just bought a new truck thought it was the coolest thing 2019 you know what? Next year, they're going to make a 2020. And a 2022. And I'm going to look at my sorry, pathetic 19. But I'm going to tell you, brother, this Holy Ghost that we've got. segments bishop you don't get it in sips you get it in one big shot right now on a Sunday morning bam you get the whole thing to use the scripture language of scripture we're going to get that same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead it's going to quicken our mortal bodies. If we go down into the grave before the Lord comes back, we've got that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And I'm going to get up out of the ground. But I don't just have to. It's not just for that. I got that same spirit that Jesus walked around with. And he cast out demons out of a demoniac. And he caused the dead to rise up off of the deathbed. And he caused the sick to get up off of the sickbed. It's in here. It's in here right now. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in here right now. That day's in this day right now. It's the work of the end time church. It's in here right now. I'm going to tell you how we talk about it. I'll close with this. I'm going to tell you how we talk about it. At Cornerstone Coleman. Cornerstone Coleman talking about it in Cornerstone Spokane. We talk about it this way. We call it the ministry of saints. Because not everybody's preachers, and most of you don't want to be preachers. But every one of you's got a ministry. Let me say that again. Maybe you could give me a better amen than that right here at the end of the sermon. Every one of you's got a ministry. You got a ministry of the Holy Ghost in the last days. We prayed, I think it was. A couple weeks ago, we prayed three people through the Holy Ghost. They prayed them through the Holy Ghost before I could get to them and lay hands on them. That's how it should be. I watched them. I didn't even baptize them. Somebody else baptized them. I didn't even preach. Somebody else preached. I did nothing. And got paid. Anyway, it's no big deal. And what incredible people you are. What incredible people you are. Not because of the flesh and carnality that you walked in here with. Not because you have a cool necktie on. Not because your shoes are shined. Mm -mm. You're incredible people because that same spirit is in you today. 
when we all gather together, Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, to one of you is given the gift of the working of miracles, to one of you the gift of tongues, to one of you, and he's not talking about speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance, he's talking about the ministry. That you, you, well, that's another sermon. To one of you is given the gift of healing, on and on and on. It's all in here. It's all in here. It's all in here. So if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, what do you mean if I don't have the Holy Ghost today? I ran into a guy at Publix. Y'all don't have Publix out here. It's a grocery store. Maybe you do. I ran into a guy at Publix, and uh, he started talking to me. And he'd been to our church before. And I said, well, what you need to do, what you need to do is come get the Holy Ghost. And we talked for a second, and he walked off, and, I, and it bugged him. It must have bugged him, Brother Sergeant, because he turned around, and he said, hey. I was on the other side of the apples, and he was over by the potatoes. And he said, hey. I said, yeah. He said, I do have the Holy Ghost. I said, the Holy Ghost leads and guides me. I said, I know. He led you and guided you to me so that I could tell you to come to the house of God. And so he did. And so we prayed him through to the Holy Ghost. So if you need the Holy Ghost today, we've got plenty of administrators in here. We've got the ministry of saints in here. It can happen. If you need the Holy Ghost today, you don't need to leave here without it. God can fill you with it today, and you won't be from here. You'll be from there. I didn't get to preach this part. Let me just mention it. You won't be seated on earthly places. You'll be seated in heavenly places. You're not from down here anymore when you get the Holy Ghost. You're seated in heavenly places when you get the gift of the Holy Ghost. So here's what we're going to do. Church, I know you're tired, but I wonder if we could just stand to our feet all over this house. And as you stand, just begin to clap, shout, pray out loud, whatever you've got to do. Oh, Jesus. He called up a why don't you pray until the spirit begins to pray through you why don't you pray until that day begins to pray into this day Hallelujah. Okay, while we're praying and while they're playing, this altar is open. You need to come. You need to respond to the Holy Ghost today. Come on. Come on. Come on. Today's going to come to a close. And that day's coming. And you want that day on the inside of you. Get down here, just begin to lift up your hands. Yeah. 